What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. I'm here with Zach Rizzuto. I'm Faraz Siddiqui. We are going to go over all of the training camp buzz. I mean, since training camp has started, the news has been coming in nonstop, Zach. I mean, it's been crazy. So I know for a lot of people, it's been really hard to keep track of all this. So that's exactly what we're going to be doing the entirety of this episode. Just going through all the buzz. You know, we're going to see if we're hopping on some hype trains, hopping off some hype trains. What do we believe? What do we not believe? Um, you know, kind of kind of just go through it and see, you know, uh, if any, any player's value changes based on what we're hearing and seeing out of training camp. But first of all, Zach, how's it going, man? How you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling good. You know, I'm feeling bad because some of these guys growing down with injuries, obviously part of the training camp news coming out is injuries. But as fantasy analysts, you know, we kind of have to tell you what that means for your team. And uh, we're going to get you guys through all of this news real quick, real snappy. We'll, we'll get you. We'll give you what you need to know. Love it. Love it. Love it. All right. Well, let, we're going to get right into it, man. Um, there's been so much. So let's just get right into it. Um, let's start with the first uh, piece of news. So first piece of news, James Washington suffered a broken foot earlier this week in practice for the Cowboys, and that leaves Dallas notably thin at wide receiver behind CeeDee Lamb. Jerry Jones went on to reiterate, I think it was yesterday, that the Cowboys have no urgency, quote-unquote, to add a veteran receiver at this point in time. So what do you think of that? I mean, it seems like they're pretty confident in what they have at receiver right now. Yeah, I mean, listen, not that James Washington was going to have uh, a huge impact like on C.D. Lamb, for example. But, but C.D. Lamb's target share is going to be, you know, this target share in general is going to be extremely tightly distributed towards him, <laughs> right? Like, right. he is the clear number one wide receiver. Is there even, like, a legit number two? Probably not, right? Uh, but you have to talk about Jalen Tolbert, right? Somebody that – Jalen Tolbert has been somebody that you have been talking about for months now, right? And right. <laughs> let's be honest. Like, he could have beaten James Washington, right like for the job anyway um but right. you know he is the, one of the primary beneficiaries here right assuming the cowboys don't add anyone right there are a couple of veteran wide receivers available uh that they can add but who knows if they do jalen torbert is going to start in week one right and, and michael gallup is likely to be out for at least week one and when gallup is back tolbert will still be on the field right potentially out of the slot and there's going to be value there so definitely have to take shots on him in drafts we have to be prepared for his ADP to skyrocket, right? Right, absolutely. And I actually noted that because right now he's the wide receiver 59 on underdog. And that's up from the wide receiver 74 price that I actually, you know, tagged him at when I said that he was a value back in like May. So I've been all over this. I'm going to give myself a little pat on the back here. I mean, things have really rolled the way I, I would want them to if I'm a Jalen Tolbert fan, which I am. But I think that he is the obvious benefactor. But the way that I look at it, I'm turning around and I'm looking at Tony Pollard. And I think that this injury, obviously we don't want to root for injuries, but this injury actually opens up and unlocks the potential for Dallas to have those two top 25 running backs potentially in Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard that people have been drafting Tony Pollard for. Because when you look at the depth chart, you look at the roster that the Cowboys have. They have C.D. Lamb and Jalen Tolbert. He's a rookie. Obviously they trust him, I think, to start in week one. But He's still a rookie, so there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, growing pains coming along with him. But Tony Pollard's a guy that's been catching the ball really well for them since he's been in Dallas. They obviously trust him because they're giving him snaps over Ezekiel Elliott, the guy that they paid $90 million for. So 
there have been reports about him going in the slot. If Tony Pollard can work out of the slot, even just like 25% of the snaps out of the slot, like he could be the guy that people are drafting to be. His ADP, I thought, was a little overinflated before James Washington got injured at RB27. But now I think that if he gets that passing workload, if he can operate out of the slot a little bit, he can actually return on that. And I, I think that now I'm kind of more tuned in to taking him. I'm more comfortable taking him where he's going right now. I expect his price to go up a little bit. Although um, I think this could be a really good value and he could surprise a lot of people because you wouldn't think it would be a running back that's getting these targets, but they said about using him in the slot. And if he does do that, I mean, he could be, you know, a good receiver. He's very dynamic with the ball in his hands. So at least for the beginning of the season, once Michael Gallup comes back, I think that his receiving upside gets capped a little bit. I don't think he'll be running out of the slot as much. But for the beginning of the season, I, I, I like what he offers to the Cowboys and for your fantasy team. I love it. That's a great take, man. Um, you know, Pollard was somebody that I think was who I think was going to be pretty involved. Um, and yeah, you know, this just opens up. I mean, if you look at that Dallas wide receiver depth chart, there's nothing. There's nothing there. Like behind CeeDee Lamb, you know, you have Jalen Tolbert, Michael Gallup banged up. Like outside of those three, they got nobody, man. Who do they, who do they have? Like I think they have Noah Brown. They have um, – right. Who was that guy? I forgot his name. He was he was he was a very interesting prospect. I think he was from Texas Tech. I forgot his. I forgot who. I think you're talking name. about T.J. Vasher. T.J. Vasher. Is that who exactly. you're talking about? Yeah. Uh, yep. That's, that is who I'm talking about. He's having a good um, camp. I'll give him that. But you know, yeah. It's camp. So, <laughs> but 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 it's you know it's one of those situations where you know opportunity has opened up right for for some receiving and when there's when there's vacated targets a lot of the times running backs do end up you know benefiting from that so i think i think that that's a good take and that's one that i think a lot of people are might be overlooking uh and i don't think tony Pollard's adp is going to rise because of this news so um i like it i like it a lot right and that's fair and one other thing to add like you talk about whether or not they might add a receiver or not it doesn't look like they're planning to at this moment in time and we've seen them do this before heading into 2017 or was it it was 2018 heading into 2018 they didn't uh, take any receivers they didn't add anybody to the depth chart with Michael Gallup at the top and Alan Hearns going into 2018 that was the year they traded for Amari Cooper so obviously they're willing they've been willing to see what they have in the wide receiver room and I think they could do that this year so the next report comes from the athletics Zach Rosenblatt and I think you're going to love this one because this is one you might want to give yourself a pat on the back for. Elijah Moore has firmly established himself, quote-unquote, as the Jets' number one wide receiver. What do you think of that? Listen, man, I'm tired of talking up Elijah Moore. I'm tired of it. <laughs> I've, been, I've been doing it for so long. I mean, you know, he's probably been the wide receiver. I've probably been, like, out of all the wide receivers this year, he's probably been the one that I've been hyping up the most, right? Like oh, I, yeah. I think, absolutely. I think so. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and to be honest with you, like a lot of that has to do with his price, right? Because I do think that his upside, like, really, really outweighs like where he's going in drafts. Like, mm -hmm. I I've seen him being taken like outside of the top thirty six at times, and I'm just like, dude, guys, like, you know, I I didn't really understand it. I, I was right. at camp on Tuesday. I was at camp on Saturday. And I've been seeing it, right? Like, he is the first read for Zach Wilson. They have a clear connection. Um, you know, and he's just make, been making plays, man. Like, he just – he's a playmaker. So, uh, regardless of who the quarterback is, but it's – it's I know that a lot of people are pointing to his splits without Zach Wilson and with Zach Wilson last year. But, listen, in camp, they have a connection. Zach is looking for him first, and he's getting open. So, um, 
uh, I'm I love taking Elijah. Like what sucks now, and I think that Elijah uh, Moore's uh, ADP is going to rise a little bit because of news like this, and you know, uh, social media. There's there's news of him, there's like videos of him catching long balls from Zach Wilson. There's videos of him catching one-handed balls from Joe Flacco. Like, you know, right. I, I I want like now that the hype train is like on the loose. Like, let's just calm it down a little bit at this point because like, I I want Elijah Moore on a lot of my fantasy football teams. But I already have him in a ton. He's probably my most rostered player on underdog right now um, among all of my drafts just because of where he's going. But now, you know, I might have to, like, you know, reserve that a little bit depending on how high his price goes. But still, I think that he – there was a lot of wiggle room. Um, You know, I have him – I had him as, like, a borderline wide receiver too in my rankings. But I think that's, like, around his floor, to be honest with you. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm I'm, I'm hyped. Obviously, I, I've been talking about him all season, all off season long. So I'm I'm happy to see it, and and I saw it firsthand at camp. Yeah, Fraz, you've been the uh, conductor of this hype train, so I'm surprised <laughs> that you're saying you want the hype train to slow down now. <laughs> dude, we got it. We got to create, yeah, dude. Like you got to create a graphic with me with a conductor hat on, like driving a train with Elijah Moore in the back, dude. You got to do it. <laughs> yeah, and, and and that's it. Just Elijah Moore. That's all you need. I mean, I I think that this is a really good report. It's really good news. And I think that Elijah Moore being Zach Wilson's wide receiver one is actually going to help Zach Wilson too, because we saw what he was able to do. Even in unsteady waters, the quarterback situation in New York obviously was not good last year and he was still pretty consistent. So I think if he gets a little consistency at quarterback and Zach Wilson takes a step forward, which I'm anticipating him to do, I think that we are looking at someone who's being drafted at his floor, even if the ADP rises a little bit. I'm in agreement with you. I think that he has the upside Earlier on, I wasn't so, you know, tuned in to taking him. I wasn't a big fan of Elijah Moore because Garrett Wilson was there. They drafted him early. I figured that he would kind of be like, you know, the one and that they'd keep Elijah Moore as a two. But it doesn't seem like the connection is there just yet between Zach Wilson and Garrett Wilson. So I think this year might be the year for Elijah Moore, you know, to take take the step forward, break out and be, I mean, maybe even top 24. We'll see. He could surprise a lot of people. Um, I know you're not just a fan of Elijah Moore because you're a Jets fan, but I think you said that he profiles very well, you know, in terms of the yes. advanced statistics and that kind of stuff. Um, for sure. Yeah. Do you want to so if you look at his reception that? perception, for example, like, you know, Matt Harmon's reception perception where he kind of charts the success rate in terms of, um, you know, getting open, right? And um, Elijah Moore is already near the top of the league in that department. And um, it's one of those things. I think that the term that, Matt Harmon used uh, in his profile was like receivers who profile like him rarely fail in the NFL, right? And right. he has a high ceiling. Um, and, and and just to kind of touch on Garrett Wilson and his role right now, uh, I was at camp yesterday and he was not uh, running with the ones just yet. Um, right now, it's been Corey Davis on the outside as the X, Elijah Moore as the Z flanker, and uh, Braxton Berrios as the primary slot. And, you know, once they come off the field, that's really when Garrett Wilson has, you know, come on the field after that, after that first rotation. So, you know, it's still early, right, in camp, right? It's still August 3rd. They still have a whole month to go, more than a month to go before the season starts. And I'm, I, I would be, you know, surprised if they're not rotating Garrett Wilson in with the first team at some point, right? But it's, it's right. worth noting that for now, Elijah Moore is that dude, and as the as this month goes on, that rapport will probably get stronger. 
Garrett Wilson's going to have a good rookie year, uh, but at the same time, listen, they have Corey Davis. You know, they have Braxton Berrios. Those guys seem locked in right now for, with the first team. You know, I, I, Garrett Wilson's super talented, right? Like he was he was right. my wide receiver one uh, among all rookies this year, uh, and I do think he's going to end up getting on the field. But I do think that this is going to be Elijah Moore's year. Next year, it's 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 an, it's up in the air. Right, it's very possible that right. Garrett Wilson steps into that wide receiver one role, and Elijah Moore takes like you know a, a, a little bit of a step back. Meanwhile, both being very fantasy relevant. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that you know Elijah Moore takes a step back next year, but it would come down to the roles that they're playing. I think Elijah Moore is more suited to playing you know more. I think underneath, I, I don't really see. I mean, his size I think is what's working against him primarily, keeping him from being an X. And oftentimes, X receivers they're you know. They're big fantasy guys, so I don't think I don't th- I think I don't think it's fair to say that he'll take a step back. But I think that the role we'll keep an eye on that for next year. But that is next year. This year it's Elijah Moore. I'm with yeah. you. All right. So our next report: ESPN's Nick Wagner believes that Tyrion Davis Price could be involved, quote unquote, early and often in the 49ers backfield in 2022, and also noting that the health concerns with Elijah Moore, not Elijah Moore, Elijah Mitchell, sorry, are real. So, what do you think of the Niners' backfield after this report? Man, it's not good, <laughs> right? So, uh, TDP is involved, right? And on top of that, you now have Trey Sermon turning heads at camp. Like, apparently, he had an amazing day of camp on Tuesday. He showed mm-hmm. a ton of flashes on Monday as well. So, listen, if you're going to draft the 49ers running back, it's not going to be Elijah Mitchell for me, right? Just draft no. one of the cheap running backs, Okay. Elijah Mitchell right now, his ADP is too high at this point. Uh, too many other players I'd rather draft, right? It's all about opportunity costs, right? Look at the players going around him, right? I'm drafting those guys. Most likely those wide receivers going around him. On top of that, you have Jordan Mason, who's an undrafted rookie, who is also turning heads at camp. You know, he could be potentially be their primary pass catcher out of the backfield, right? Jermichael Hasty might not make the team. So this is turning into a situation where they have too many options, Okay. We weren't banking on Trey Sermon to be turning heads at camp, but apparently he made a big improvement, you know, from last year, and he could potentially be involved. Uh, and, you know, uh, just last week, Kyle, we were talking about Kyle Shanahan, you know, speaking very highly of Trey Sermon, right, who was previously in the doghouse the year before. So right. if these guys are involved, Tyrion Davis-Price potentially taking goal line carries away. Listen, Elijah, Elijah Mitchell might be capped at, like, 15 carries a game, and that's being nice. Yeah, I think that's I think that's accurate. Fifteen carries a game is still a pretty decent workload, and with the guys that they have in their committee, Tyrion Davis Price, you just mentioned Trey Sermon, all these guys are coming up. We know the Forty ers like to use multiple running backs. I mean, since Frank Gore left, you know that's kind of been the way it's been between Raheem Mostert. He when he was there, uh, they were using Jeff Wilson a lot a couple of years ago, I think it was. So these guys that you know they're not necessarily big names. They still make them work, and they're happy to use them. I think we're going to see more of that. I'm disappointed by this report because, like I said, I I was kind of a fan of Elijah Mitchell at his ADP because, you know, especially as a zero RB guy, like he was one of the guys I was kind of keying in on and hoping I could get him, and maybe, you know, he'd surprise me and perform a little bit better. But this report, it doesn't sound like he's in line for a majority of the work at all. I think they'll be mixing it up. Uh, Out of, like, 10 downs, I see Elijah Mitchell getting – four you know Tyrion Davis Price might get three like they might rotate Trey Sermon in 
two down. Like, it's just so much going on, so many moving parts, and so many different ways they could put the guys on the field. It, it, it's just disappointing to me, you know? <laughs> like, there have been so many is. hype. There have been so many hype reports, and now, now it's just like, I mean, and Elijah Mitchell was not bad when he was on the field, you know? No. He, he was very good last year. I think he had over 900 yards on the ground. So, like, he, he can obviously play, but it's just the the competition and you can't blame him for having the competition for wanting to use multiple guys but as for fantasy football it just sucks <laughs> it really does man it really does I, I you know i was a fan of elijah mitchell coming into the he was coming into the league and i was hoping that he could potentially have a workhorse role um but it seems to me like you know they're kind of, they are concerned about him holding up the rest of the season for the whole season so they want to preserve him mm-hmm. um and, you know, for whatever reason, these 49ers running backs tend to get hurt. <laughs> I don't know what what's in the water in Santa Clara, uh, in San Jose. But, but yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm off of him. I'm completely off of him, honestly. And I'd rather take the wide receivers going around his ADP. And you know what? Take a shot on Tyrion Davis-Price. Take a shot on Trey Sermon. You know, take a shot on these guys because – they're gonna they're going so late in drafts that this is a turnstile at the at the position, and one of these guys could potentially pop off. Uh, if Elijah Mitchell gets hurt too, you know you have uh, more to go around, right? So mm-hmm. you never know. Um, I'm not even convinced. Who knows? Like Elijah Mitchell might not even be the one A in this backfield. Who knows? We have no right. idea at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, that's what I'm saying. I'm, I'm, I agree with you. I mean you pick up you, you compare Elijah Mitchell's price to the other running backs, Tyrion Davis' price, and them. Like, you can pick up Tyrion Davis Price maybe if you're in the right draft, you know, after the draft as like a waiver, you know? Exactly. Or you could pick up Trey Sermon. I don't think he's going to drafts either. So, like, these are guys that, yeah, if you're really stuck, you just take them, you know, like get, give them a shot. All right. Our next report comes from ESPN's Elena Getzenberg, and she believes that Zach Moss is, quote, trending towards having a role in the Bills' offense. So what do we think of this? We know James Cook is there in Buffalo. We know Devin Singletary is still there. But now they're saying that Zach Moss could have a role in this offense. What, what do you think this means for that backfield? I, I don't know. But I'll say this. I'd rather draft Zach Moss than Devin Singletary. <laughs> At his really? <laughs> yeah, I, listen, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that Zach Moss is – like, if they were the same price, sure. Obviously, Devin Singletary, right, with the way that, you know, he did his thing last season um, – but I don't think that Devin Singletary is just that good. Like, I just don't think he's that good. Like, with that being said, right. listen, forget about those two guys. Like, I just – I would rather just chase the upside of James Cook. Like, the hope is that Moss and Singletary just, like, share the load until it's time to make plays in the pass game. And I think that's where James Cook is going to come in, and he's going to be the guy. Like, it's, it's similar to, like, look at Washington's backfield right now, right? Just to kind of give mm. an example. Right now – Who's going to be on the field on early downs? It's probably going to be it's going to be um, Antonio Gibson, and also uh, potentially um, what's his name, the Alabama running back, JD McKissick, or no, Brian no, Robinson? no, Brian Robinson, right? So in early downs is probably going to be Brian Robinson, and it's going to be Antonio Gibson. But who's who do they want on the field when they're passing the ball? It's going to be JD McKissick, right? right. That's that's kind of how I see James Cook. Um, but except this is going to be one of the most pass-heavy teams in the NFL, right? And James Cook is mm-hmm. going to be the one running a route on a majority of those pass attempts. So they wanted a guy like him to do just that. They've been chasing that guy for a while now um, because they didn't have that guy on the roster. So I'll ch- right. <clears throat> excuse me, I'll change, I'll chase the upside of a running back who is capable, I think, of catching 80 balls his rookie year. That's not my projection, but 
Is that his upside? Right. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And I think chasing that type of upside is what separates like like league winners, right? Because you want to chase mm-hmm. that those guys. Like this team has been chasing this type of running back, right? And they want that type of running back. So it, like it, the writing is on the wall to me that they're going to use him in that in that role. And apparently he's been killing it at, in camp and he's been very impressive in the receiving game. So I'm I'm in I'm in on James Cook. Like I don't think Zach Moss being involved in this backfield is going to take away snaps from James Cook, and the role right. that we for, we see him playing. Yeah. So for me, this report implies that Zach Moss already didn't have much of a role in the Bills' offense, if any. And as things stand currently, uh, you know, I'd like it to stay that way so that James Cook does get his opportunity. You know, <laughs> because I think James Cook is the most talented running back that they have in that backfield already. I think Devin Singletary, you know, he's a quality running back. There's nothing wrong with it, but I think that James Cook's ceiling is through the roof. He's young, and this is exactly the kind of guy that they're looking for, someone that can work in the pass game. But I think he also has chops in the run game too. But as one of the most pass-heavy offenses in the league, you know, he's he's pretty much tailor-built for this offense. He, I think he's going to be in his element, catching passes out of the backfield and making things happen after the catch. Um, this is one of many running back by committees in the NFL this year. And like you said, upsides where you kind of shoot in these backfields and it's James Cook. I'm really only interested in drafting him. Singletary, he had a good stretch to end the year last year and people are kind of maybe banking on that and thinking that, okay, maybe he'll be a value. But I think that ultimately, I think by the season's end, it's going to be clear that James Cook is the future, you know, at the running back position, if it's not already. And Devin Singletary and Zach Moss are going to be guys that you could just, you know, fly by the wayside or move them down the depth chart. Because James Cook is, I think he's just going to be awesome. It might take him a year or two to finally, you know, get a grip on that lead role where he might be a much higher fantasy draft pick. But this year, I mean, for the value you can get him at, I think that he's an excellent pick. So our next report comes from NBC Sports' Peter King. And he's reporting that Mitch Trubisky has been told that the QB job is his to lose heading into 2022. Now, if you're anything like me, you know, I'm not expecting too much out of the Steelers offense, but I'm wondering what you think that would mean for guys like, you know, Chase Claypool, George Pickens even, and Deontay Johnson, you know, he's a wild card because his contract situation's up in the air. So just, just give us an overview. What do you think uh, Steelers camp so far, what we've heard? What, what are you thinking? Well, George Pickens is lighting it up right now. In camp, like apparently, right. like they hit a home run with that pick, right? Um, and I don't think it matters that Deontay Johnson isn't there right now. The fact that he's able to, that George Pickens was able to stand out regardless, should be not- noteworthy, right? Um, mm-hmm. Now it's tough to say that there will be like multiple fantasy wide receivers relevant on this team with Trubisky starting, but you never know, right? Like, listen, I I, I always look at the Teddy Bridgewater example. Like, if Teddy Bridgewater can do it. So can Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like, he might not. And and by the way, Mitch Trubisky, like he's a low key, like low key. He is a potential fantasy streamer at some point this season. Like I'm not saying yeah, he's anywhere you. close to being draftable in a one quarterback mm-hmm. league, but don't be surprised when you see him rushing for 40 yards and then throwing two touchdowns in a few games in a row. And you're like, oh, like that. That's pretty streamable right there. It's like the classic Tyrod Taylor thing, right? Where he would throw like. <laughs> two touchdowns and 40 rush give you 40 rushing yards and that's pretty much like three three passing touchdowns right there so you know don't be surprised if you throw Trubisky in your lineup here and there this season you know if you end up streaming um 
But yeah, as far as Deontay Johnson goes, like I think that contract, all these contract situations end up resolving itself one way or the other, right? Like, you know, Kyler Murray, that looked like, you know, that was going to end really poorly. It didn't, right? right. Uh, you know, there's, there's been other, like, you know, look at look at Debo, right? It ended up working out. Like, these type of situations always end up working out. Like, it's not like Deontay Johnson's going to find himself out of the league or something. Like, if he's on another team, sure, great. He's still going to ball out. Because he's a really good wide receiver. So, um, you never know. Maybe the Cowboys are like, hey. Hey. Mm. Hey, Pittsburgh. What's up? No, nah, nah, th- th- don't, go, don't go take in my CD Lamb target share. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that to me. Listen, yo, listen. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm going to be real with you, man. If Deontay Johnson goes to the Cowboys, he's taking all the target share. <laughs> Just letting you know right now. You think over CD Lamb? I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, he'll he'll be there. Like, he'll be right there. Like, he'll... Yeah, he'll be there. But anyway, that's 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 a conversation. That's speculation. It's but just speculation. Just speculation, <laughs> you know. Um, but but yeah, I it, it's tough for me to 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 see like multiple fantasy wide receiver like fantasy relevant wide receivers on this team. But betting on talent makes sense. Pickens seems like he's the real deal. Spending a late round pick on George Pickens is 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 a better idea than you think. Because you know, just just because you might not want a shot at this offense, I think he can have a a good rookie year, uh, even with Mr. Bisky, uh at the helm. I'm not going out of my way to target him in drafts because a lot of, there's a lot of upside picks this year. Uh, but if you're going to bet on talent, he's somebody that seems like you know you should bet on. Right, and with Mr. Trubisky being told that the QB job is his to lose, you know, I think that just kind of increases my confidence a little bit in all the receivers just for Pittsburgh, whether it's Chase Claypool, whether it's Deontay Johnson, whether it's uh, George Pickens, like we're talking about, even Pat Frymuth. I mean, I think what he offers them, I think the receivers with Mitch Trubisky will be, you know, solid flex plays each week. Whether, like I said, Chase Claypool can be. uh, Deontay Johnson, obviously. uh, Even George Pickens, you know. I, I think that it's not really a high ceiling offense that we're looking at with Mitch Trubisky at the helm. I do think Mitch Trubisky is a little bit underrated just because he gets a bad rap for his time in Chicago. Um, but he, I think that he's plenty serviceable, and I think that he's capable of supporting wide receivers, you know, who aren't, you know, like bargain barrel, bottom of the pack. I, I think he'll be fine. So I'm not necessarily going out of my way to target any Steelers wide receivers. I'm not going out of my way to target Mitch Trubisky. This report doesn't change much, but as I said, it just – slightly increases my confidence not that i don't trust kenny pickett at quarterback but i'm just saying that mitch trubisky i think gives them their best chance to be fantasy relevant at this point so here's another uh contradictory news report that we're hearing nick sirianni just vouched for miles sanders at the as the eagles lead back a few days ago contradicting earlier reports that sanders was taking snaps with the second team during camp this one is really really confusing because a couple weeks ago you had Miles Sanders saying don't draft me and now this week you have Nick Sirianni the head coach saying oh yeah yeah he's he's a he's a lead back don't even worry about it so what do you think of this yeah he he did vouch for Sanders and he said that uh you know he was like yeah you know we do rotate guys but he's the guy like he's the guy like that's how he was saying it you know and listen um I, I I know this might sound a little crazy but if you're going zero running back, like I kind of like Sanders at his ADP, right? Because considering all the other running backs, 
going in that range because of the upside that he presents. I know that, you know, he couldn't stay healthy and that that's that has been his main issue, right? So, mm-hmm. if you're grabbing listen, in a vacuum, I like I love the wide receivers going in that range way more than Miles Sanders, right? But yeah. if you're going wide wide receiver early for multiple rounds and then you find yourself having to pick running backs, then I think Sanders is someone I would consider grabbing at that spot. The offense should be better. He will be their lead back, right? All he has to do is stay healthy, you know? Uh, Now, I most likely won't have him on a lot of teams, like I said, because I'm most likely grabbing the wide receivers in that range, or like Jalen Hurts is also going in that range as well. So I'm grabbing him Mm -hmm. over Miles Sanders. But, you know, I just want to say that I'm not completely out on him, given his price. So I kind of take a different approach. This is one of the murkier situations around the NFL at this point. And like it's, like we said, we've seen Sanders taking snaps with the twos. I kind of view Miles My- Sanders like I view his NFC East rival and Antonio Gibson. I know you made a comparison earlier, but we're going back to Washington's backfield. They're both really talented, obviously, but they're also dealing with significant competition in schemes that don't really rely on one guy in the backfield. So they're both going back to back, Miles Sanders and Antonio Gibson right now an underdog. Gibson's checking in at RB25, Sanders at 26. But those are both prices I find a bit too rich for the volatility I anticipate, especially out of this Eagles backfield. At the end of the day, I wouldn't waste time trying to decode this because, you know, Sanders, he hasn't really shown the ability to dominate as a fantasy running back in his career, even when he was getting, you know, a good chunk of the carries. And all these question marks surrounding the situation just indicate to me that, like, this, it, it, like it's been his whole career, this just might not be his year again for fantasy. I mean, he came out and said it himself. Don't draft me. Yeah, it's so true, man. It's so true. Like, if you draft him, if you draft a player after he told you not to, like, you're kind of asking for it, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, moving on to the next report. We have the Buccaneers recently signed Julio Jones to a one-year deal. But Todd Bowles has indicated that Russell Gage is kind of the guy at camp, noting that he's uncoverable, even for the Bucks' defense. So, I know you've been a big Russell Gage guy. And we've actually seen his ADP fall a little bit with Julio Jones going. He's now the wide receiver 43 compared to where he's going like wide receiver 36 a little bit while, a little while ago. Exactly. exactly. So what do you, what do you think's going on there? Yeah. I mean, Russell Gage's ADP, you know, I, I think regardless of what the coaches say and regardless of this report, this thing that Todd Bowles just said, I think Russell Gage's ADP is going to dip regardless. Right, and it has, right. and I think it's, it might continue to dip. To be honest with you, um, there is a chance that Julio doesn't stay healthy at age 33. Right, he hasn't stayed healthy over the past two seasons. It's possible that he has already fallen off the cliff. Now, and then when you look at Russell Gage, like he did grow as a player. Right, we we've acknowledged that you know this entire offseason. So, if that ADP dips even further, and like you said, like right now, and when I look at consensus ADP, he's fallen to the tenth round. As the wide receiver, 45. So at that point, like, why not? Like, he's paired with Tom Brady. There is some upside right. there. Um, like like you said, he was being drafted as the top 36 wide receiver before this move. So, and, and again, we talked about this last week, right? A lot of reservations, you know, including, uh, you know, from myself, like, based on whether Julio is going to take his spot on the field, right? Like, right. but with his price moving down so drastically, like he can potentially be a good like depth wide receiver on your fantasy team who can fill in for you when you need it. Uh, and what you're hoping for if you draft him is that Julio is in fact washed, 
right? So <laughs> w- we kind of don't know whether that's true or not. But, like, there is a chance for that to be true. And if it is true, then Russell Gage will be on the field all the time, like, you know, in 11 personnel. So, and then right. pair with Tom Brady. And if he's truly uncoverable, like, and the uncoverable thing is not, like, a complete surprise to us, right? Like, yeah. Matt Harmon, you know, did his reception perception profile on Russell Gage. And we saw a ridiculous improvement, you know, from 2020 to 2021. Right. So the fact that he was able to separate with the best of them, you know, you know, shows a lot. Right. And Tom Brady's going to find you if you can separate. So, you know, there is a little bit of upside here. He can be a, a lot more usable than we think. And at that price, why not? And I honestly, I feel like it's going to dip even more. Right. And we'd love to see that if it does dip a little bit more. I still like Russell Gage as much as I did before Julio Jones was signed. And the fact that ADP Boom. is slipping is like really encouraging. The Buccaneers, they clearly want to make him a key part of the offense. They signed him to not a one-year, not a two-year, but a three-year contract. And this report leads me to believe that he's going to be a guy that Tom Brady will be looking to early and often while Chris Godwin comes back from his injury, and even when he does come back. Because coming back from – he's coming back from ACL. He might not necessarily be Chris Godwin for a few more weeks after he comes back. And we saw what Antonio Brown was able to do with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the field last year. I think Gage has a potential to kind of slide into that role this year and even have some weeks where he might be the top receiver on the Bucs offense. I mean, any of the Buccaneers receivers are liable to finish as a wide receiver one, fancy wide receiver one, uh, any week with Brady at the helm. And Gage is, like I said, the wide receiver 43 off the board. I think he's going to finish significantly higher than that, and he'll have plenty of weeks where, you know, he pulls 25 points out of nowhere, and you're happy you started him and you even drafted him because, like, we, we saw him playing in Atlanta. He was the best receiver there. And now he has Tom Brady, which is a much better quarterback than he had in Atlanta on a much better offense. I, I don't think he can go wrong. So let's just keep letting that ADP slide. I'll sit back and enjoy it. 100%. Listen, uh, All right. sometimes, sometimes you kind of have to bet on the talent. Right. And then you kind of have to like look at all the permutations of, you know, how can a player get opportunity? Right. And like you mentioned, like obviously he's not Antonio Brown, but there was room for enough targets for Antonio Brown, for Mike Evans, for Chris Godwin, for them all to thrive with Tom Brady on that offense. So if Russell Gage is truly separating like they say he is, then Tom Brady is going to find him. Right. This isn't a Scotty Miller type of situation. Right. Where, you know, he's a deep threat and like, you know, maybe he can get, you know, uh, some, you know, it's not a Justin Watson situation. You know, this is a better player who is not a B, but, you know, can potentially earn some targets, Um, you know, especially because like, you know, Godwin's not practicing right now and he's gaining rapport with Tom Brady. So uh, I think with that price dropping, dude, like last last week I was out. This week I'm back in right. <laughs> because of that ADP dropping, dude. <laughs> right. So another report. Uh, this one's a little bit disappointing because a lot of guys in the fantasy community were in on him. Tim Patrick. He was carted off the field yesterday with an apparent leg injury. They confirmed it. It's a torn ACL, and it's looking like he's going to be out for the season. This injury sucks, you know, first and foremost. They just had terrible luck, the Broncos, with ACL injuries and receivers. They had that in the past few years. What does this mean for the Broncos' offense moving forward? Yeah, man, it does suck. Like, he could have had a big year, I think, with, you know, with Russell Wilson. You know, apparently, they also, they've been, they built some legit rapport 
you know, going so far right. this offseason. So there was a chance that, you know, Tim, Tim Patrick could have surprised, you know, the entire league, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, he was one of those guys where, like, you know, a 1,000-yard season out of nowhere could have happened, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, that, you know, that does leave Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, you know, as the primary wide receivers, you know, who we know now are going to get the majority of the target share, right? Uh, I, I do see the target distribution being extremely top-heavy, you know, with these two guys at the top. Um, you know, obviously, I think Albert O can potentially benefit as well just with some more targets being available. Um, but Tim Patrick, like, talk about what kind of target he was for Russ. Like, he was a big target, right? And mm-hmm. I think, you know, a lot of those targets that, that would have went Patrick's way you know, could potentially go Sutton's way because of the type of target that he is, right? He's also that big, you know, uh, large catch radius type of player as well. Um, You know, this also kind of alleviates any sort of potential, you know, three-way distribution, you know, which could have happened with all three of these guys healthy, right? Like, you know, you take that top of the food chain and you distribute it between three people, You that could present some issues in terms of inconsistency right between all of them right for fantasy yeah um so i think this kind of alleviates that not to say that you know like i i I hope the best for tim patrick i hope he has a fast recovery it does suck it is a part of the game though um now i do think that jerry judy becomes a slightly better pick in drafts now um than he was before like i wasn't targeting him a bunch uh but i think he becomes a more viable pick for me uh even though i do like court and sutton more uh, I just think that target share is going to be just more guaranteed for him now, uh, now that Tim Patrick's kind of out of the picture. Um, and, and by the way, I just want to say this. I do have my flag currently planted with Court and Sutton, right? But yeah. I'm still paying attention to Kent, right? Like to see if any uh, one of these two guys becomes the clear guy for Russ, right? You know, this mm-hmm. could easily become like a DK Metcalf towel locket situation where, where you know both guys are great, which would be fine. Uh, but you know, I'm continuing to pay attention. This is not a situation where like, obviously I've been, you know, pounding the wall wall for Cortland Sutton this entire off season. The table. I think, I think it's Ta- the table. table, table. <laughs> oh yeah. You don't pound the wall. You pound tables. That's right. You, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> for, I've been doing that all, all off season because I just think that it was a more natural fit for Russ. Um, but right. like, I'm still open to more information, right? So let's continue to monitor training camp. Let's see how it goes. Uh, and you know, just to see who who Russ has a has more of a connection with, right? Uh, and what you just said, I'm all in agreement with. That's all stuff I was going to say. Uh, the one thing that I do think, I think that Tim Patrick kind of emulated the quarterback friendly traits of like Tyler Lockett. I, not that they're the same size or anything, but I think the way they play, I think that there would have been good connection there. You know, Russell Wilson would have found Tim Patrick plenty. I think this does open up, like you said. I, we saw Russell Wilson support Lockett and Metcalf. They were both, I think it was top 24 for, I think, two years in a row. So clearly it's in his, you know, range of outcomes to do that. I like both Sutton and Judy a lot more now. And like I said, Albert O might get a bigger slice of the pie when it comes to target share because of this, which is good for him. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't projecting Tim Patrick to be like this big fantasy contributor. I had him outside the top 36, but... He still would have been, you know, a nice target if you were, you know, needed some depth. He's not around anymore. I think what you said is all accurate. That's what I was going to say. Um, yeah, injuries suck. Injuries <laughs> That's do suck. That's my analysis. Yeah. 
So, yeah. Our next report comes from Sean McVay, and he described Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson on Tuesday as two starting running backs, quote-unquote. Akers currently sits as the RB19 on underdog. Henderson's at RB44. What the heck? Did, where did this come from? Like, this is way out of left field because the whole offseason we've been hearing about how Cam Akers is the guy. What do you think of this? <laughs> yeah, this is pretty interesting. You know, it's, it's tough to really make sense of this because Sean McVay is, like, the master at, like, manipulating the media when it comes to, like, who is going to get the rock. Like, we have no idea. Right. He's always been doing this, right? Um, but the reports from camp, from beat reporters, are stating that these two guys are splitting first-team reps pretty evenly so far in camp, right? So, like, even if Sean McVay didn't say this, like, you know, there was a potential that we could have saw something similar, right? So, if it is true that this is more of a timeshare than we think, I I do think that Akers sees more of the money snaps, right? Like, goal line, a little bit more receiving. Mm -hmm. I've been back and forth on him and Brees Hall, like, given where they're being drafted, and yeah. I do want to see if this continues in terms of, like, you know, uh, an even split between him and Cam Makers and Dal Henderson in camp. You know, continue to monitor that, obviously. But, like, you know, <laughs> you start to think about, you know, these two guys. You're like, well, Brees Hall is young. He didn't mm-hmm. tear his Achilles. He's fresh. <laughs> um, you know, he's going to be involved in the receiving game. We know that. So, obviously, you know, the Jets' offense isn't anywhere close to the Rams' offense. Right, that's like yeah. that, uh, part of the reason why we love Cam Akers so much, is because of the fact that he was potentially going to be a workhorse on a great offense. Right, like that ten plus touchdown upside was there for Cam Akers, and right. I think it still is. But you know, there's a couple red flags now with Akers. Right, it's like mm-hmm. all right, this could be a committee. Okay, are they splitting passing down work? Okay, and you know, he just tore his Achilles. Right, he's coming yeah. off of that. So, you know, there's a couple of red flags now where you're like, all right, well, like, is it worth taking that risk on Cam Akers where he's going because he is moving up, right, in drafts. Like, he, he's going to be a third-round pick. Oh, yeah, he right? in, on, <laughs> in, on, on, on In home leagues, he's been a third-round pick. So, you know, on Yahoo, on ESPN, on Sleeper, you know, he's he's been a third-round pick. So, hey, like, opportunity cost, right? Is it worth it? Is it worth the upside? And, and what is the upside? You know, with Daryl Henderson, you know, being a big part of the offense, I don't know. Now, I do like Dar- I have I've always liked Daryl Henderson at his ADP because, you know, even as a handcuff, <laughs> even, even yeah. if, if, if he had no standalone value as a pure handcuff, it's been great because we saw him get 90%, you know, of the snaps last year, right, before Cam Akers get back, got back, before Sony Michelle started to get involved. He was, you know, an every down back, and he was great. Very, very consistent. Every single week, he was giving you solid numbers, right? Um, but at the same time, like now, his ADP is going to rise, unfortunately, um, you know, mm-hmm. because everyone's pointing out the ADP difference between these two guys. So it's going to happen. Uh, but just, just monitor that. Hopefully, it doesn't go up too high. I don't want to pay like an eighth-round pick for Dallas Henderson, you know, maybe lower than that. I'm okay with it because there's other guys who could potentially give you standalone value that you know for sure. Um, but, yeah. yeah, this is a very, this is going to be a confusing backfield. You know, this is honestly making me a little bit iffy for Cam Makers. Like, Cam Makers was never a slam dunk pick for me. Uh, I was yeah. always open to picking Cam Makers, especially where he was going in underdog, on underdog best ball drafts. Uh, but in mm-hmm. home leagues, 
oof, it's a little tough now. It's a little tough now because that Cam Akers-Brees Hall combination after picking two wide receivers in the first and second round seemed very enticing to me yeah. because of the upside yeah, that really that combination special. presents. <laughs> Uh, so uh so yeah it, it definitely becomes a little bit more iffy and you have to understand that the, the that there is some risk involved in taking k-makers in the third round yeah daryl henderson he's no chump you know we saw him play he, he, he's plenty mm-hmm. good he's plenty capable of playing in the backfield i think that if if this you know split in the backfield looks anything like and i'm going to compare it to the lions so you have jamal williams and deandre swift if Cam Akers gets like a DeAndre Swift type of workload last year compared to like Jamal Jamal Williams did, you know what I'm saying? If it's that kind of split and Cam Akers is getting more of the carries, more of the touches, more of the work, I'm okay with him where he's being taken. Anything less than that, not really. So, go ahead. And it's tough. And it's tough because like DeAndre Swift was just, he was so involved in the pass game, right? Like he was a receiver. That's why the split was okay between him and Jamal Williams because he was averaging like six targets a game. So, you know, if you're getting that type of workload, sure. But Cam Akers, I don't think is going to be reaching that type of workload in the past game. Like, I don't think Cam Akers has the 80 catch upside, right? I always thought that even if Cam Akers was like the guy in this backfield, Mm -hmm. I think 50, 50, around 50 catches or so was where he was going to be at. But now if they do end up splitting, you know, that passing down work or just the receiving work in general, like we're probably talking about like maybe 40 catches, 45. Yeah. It, you know, at, at the high point. Is, it's it's not bad. You know, it, it's not bad, but third round pick. Right. Maybe not. Right. So right. that's, it, it's really confusing now trying to figure out what I'm doing with Cam Akers. Cause I was all in on him. I was, I was all out on him and then I was all in on him and now I'm <laughs> iffy. I, I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's getting it's getting tough to tell. I think that ultimately Cam Akers is their guy. I, I think that he's going to have much better production, I think, on a weekly basis than Daryl Henderson. But I think Daryl Henderson is going to be there just, you know, like at his heels, taking away a couple touchdowns. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Daryl Henderson rushes for six or seven touchdowns and has just fan, uh, Cam Akers' fancy managers just rolling in their sleep. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because <laughs> it's very possible. He, he, I think he could be a vulture, and I hate vultures in fantasy because it, it's just infuriating. But, you know, they have two running backs that are good. They're going to use them, and that's just the way it goes. You know, I'm I'm not expecting any more, at least, Cam Akers to be that slam dunk. Yeah, it's unfortunate. All right, moving on. Let Okay, so uh, we have a few more stories to talk about. Well, these are going to be a little bit more quick-hitting, but we do want to cover – as much of you know training camp as possible okay um w- one of the things that we've seen was a running back you might not know his name isaiah pacheco he plays for the kansas city chiefs he apparently is running with the ones right now he is the one of the favorites to potentially take over that receiving work okay so there are three running backs who are consistently running with the ones clyde was hilaire first Jack McKinnon second, and Isaiah Pacheco, not Ronald Jones, which is very interesting. Ronald Jones has been coming in with the twos consistently. That can change moving forward. We know that Ronald Jones doesn't have the the real receiving chops that might be required to you know be a Kansas City Chief running back, right? Because we do right. we, we know that they're more you know a pa- of a pass heavy team, um, but he's somebody that you might want to take shots on later later in drafts. 
Jack McKinnon playing with the ones, he'll be the primary pass catcher if he wins that job. Uh, you know, that second job behind CEH in terms of like the pass catching role, uh, and you know, just in terms of, of the running back depth chart. And Isaiah Pacheco is right there. Keep an eye on him. All right. Uh, right. Another thing, Kyle Phillips, um, you know, he is a the slot wide receiver for the Titans. Apparently, he has been going off. He's a rookie. Uh, I think he was drafted in the fifth round. Uh, apparently, he's been like corners cannot stay with him. He's separating like crazy. Uh, he's building a rapport with Ryan Tannehill. Uh, Traylon Burks, he has come back. Right, he is. You know, we've seen the videos. Right, Traylon Burks is starting to do his thing. He's starting to separate. He's starting to make some plays in camp, make plays in the end zone as well. Um, I'm just curious what you think about 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 Traylon Burks. Like, does, is he somebody that stands out to you? You know, in drafts like around the tenth round or so, ninth uh, tenth round to say like, okay, like maybe there's some upside here. Maybe I should chase it. The answer is kind of, um, and that's not the answer anybody wants to hear, but it, Traylon Burks, I think the problem is he's working alongside, you know, obviously Robert Woods. I think Robert Woods is very dependable as a receiver. Um, Traylon Burks, he has the upside, obviously. He had very good college numbers. You know, he's very explosive and people are kind of comparing him to Debo Samuel. Um, but in the Titans offense, I mean, obviously it's going to run through Derrick Henry until it can't. We saw that happen last year. Once <laughs> he went down, they just weren't the same. Um, but there's room for him to be a good receiver. At his ADP, I'm not, you know, completely turned off to taking him. But I just think there are a bunch of other safer receivers. Not even just safer, but, you know, more... Uh, Esta- know esta- established roles. Yeah, established roles. Yeah. That, that's a good way to put it. I think that Traylon Burks, I don't think he's going to be dominating target share, uh, at least to start. I think there are a bunch of other receivers going around his ADP where I'm kind of, you know, taking shots on them. Or I'm not even drafting receivers at that point with the way I'm playing to build my team. But, yeah, exactly. Uh, like, uh, around that spot, there are a, a bunch of zero RB type of targets, like Ramondre Stevenson, for example, who is and even also showing out in camp. Oh, tight ends too? Yep, 100%. Yeah. yeah. There are multiple tight ends that could potentially – like Albert O is somebody that that, <laughs> that you liked. And then with this Tim Patrick right. news, obviously, you know, boosts his stock. A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, Traylon Burks, he's just not a guy that I found myself, you know, like, oh, yeah, well, let's draft him. Like, he's, right. just, he's just not someone I'm counting on to I, – I don't want to personally depend on him, at least I hear you. Year. I hear you. Another wide receiver who's making waves at camp in a big way is Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk yeah. apparently has been just tearing it up. I think among – I think he probably has been tearing up 49ers camp more than any other wide receiver in the league because you know i don't know what it is like even with debo over the past couple days right debo has been around yesterday on tuesday and on monday and right is still doing his thing showing serious rapport with trey lance but it hasn't really mattered uh, uh you know who the quarterback was you know throwing the ball to Ayuk. Ayuk has been making a ton of plays so it seems like you know he made a little bit of a jump from year two to year three, and obviously we've seen a bunch of wide receivers in the history of the NFL breaking out in year three. So, right, I understand that Debo Samuel is there. I'm not taking Debo Samuel at his price right now, but Brandon Ayuk, like, even I understand Debo's there. I understand George Kittle's there, but Brandon Ayuk can be somebody that you want to target in drafts, given not only the rapport with Trey Lance, but the fact that he might have taken a step uh, forward as a player. 
Uh, just look at these videos that people are putting up of Brandon. He's making plays, uh, and anybody, right. everybody at 49ers camp uh, is c- raving about Brandon Ayuk. So uh, definitely somebody that you want to put on your list of potential upside draft picks uh, in those middle rounds. Right. And, you know, Brandon Ayuk, I think that he's, you know, I mean, he looks really good. This is the opposite kind of reports that we're hearing this year that we did last year coming out of training camp. Yes. We heard, oh, Brandon Ayuk isn't coming along as they, as they really wanted him to. You know, it was, they were actually sound like they were disappointed with where he was at this point last season. So to hear this is really encouraging. And I think that you're on the money when you say you should avoid Debo Samuel right now at his price. Because if Brandon Ayuk, you know, is a bit much bigger factor, or even just a slightly bigger factor than he was last year, he was like a non-factor last year pretty much. If he, if he gets a slightly bigger workload, that could, you know – seriously cut in the Debo Samuel's workload. Obviously, Debo Samuel was great last year, but it was one of the least conventional ways of getting to wide receiver three, and I don't know how repeatable it is, especially because he's come out and said, Debo Samuel, that he doesn't want to be involved in the uh, run game as much. So if his majority of, if the majority of his production is coming from the pass game and Brent Nayuk is there now and George Kittle is there and it's Trey Lance, you know, we don't know how he's going to be throwing the ball just yet. He showed us that he can be good. But, you know, there's always question marks. I think there's so much going on that, yeah, Debo Samuel becomes an avoidant. Actually, Brandon Ayuk becomes like a value target at this point. Yeah. No, he, he definitely does. He definitely does. Uh, another wide receiver making waves, Paris Campbell. Paris Campbell. Your guy. Every training camp, doing his thing. Uh, you know, listen, I, I people who have been following me since uh, we started here at Upper Hand know that I'm a big Paris Campbell guy. I've always been a big Paris Campbell guy. I've been hyping him up every year. This year, I've stayed quiet. Last year, I, I talked about him a little bit, but he just can't. the guys just can't stay healthy, right? Now, mm-hmm. he's shown a, a really, really good rapport with Matt Ryan. So, you know, listen, at the end of your draft, last round, why not? If you, if you want another wide receiver, pick him up. I think Paris Campbell could potentially do his thing. He's always been somebody that Frank Wright loved. Uh, he is the clear number two wide receiver behind Michael Pittman right now on that team. So, you know, just just know that, right? And if he's legit, Matt Ryan has a rapport with him. I think he makes a, a decent pick, but obviously the injury concerns, you know, just just know that it could happen again. Right, and you, uh, and you, you don't want to bet on an injury. But um, no. Matt Ryan, you, you know, I think he's going to be much better than he was last year. People might think he's, you know, past his prime. I think he has one or two more good years, especially with the Colts offensive line. I think he can be an excellent asset for Paris Campbell. I, mean, I think he can actually fuel the breakout that maybe you're looking for. I am. I'm looking for it, man. I am. I am. Honestly, and and I, you know, my my wide receiver rankings are coming out this Friday, and I have a, I have a new guy in my top ten, and I'll just say that. Let's Ooh. move on. Uh, Isaiah McKenzie on the Bills. You know, we, you know this slot role for the Bills was kind of up in the air, right? You know, between between Isaiah, between Isaiah McKenzie, Jamison Crowder, right, and you even had you know the rookie, right, Khalil Shakir potentially you know in the mix, but right. so far in camp, Isaiah McKenzie has been that dude. Okay, he's been playing with the ones. He's showing real rapport with Josh Allen. Josh Allen's looking for him, and McKenzie's making plays. So, McKenzie, in a full PPR league, you might want to take a shot, right? We saw what Cole Beasley was able to do 
uh, you know, there, there's been a ton of games where Beasley has been getting 12, 13 targets. Obviously, you know, shallow depth of target, right? You know, within five yards of the line of scrimmage. That's fine. If you're in a PPR league, that's going to be great. Yeah. That's top 24 type of numbers. And if they, if you score a touchdown on top of that, that's wide receiver one numbers right there. So just keep in mind, uh, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, somebody you might want to target at the end of your drafts in a full PPR league. Yeah, um, that's, uh, I'm with uh, you. Yeah, no, for sure. I, you, know, you know, the thing with the Bills, right? Like, just just get as many guys as you can who are going to be relevant on that team, right? Like, just just, right. just they're going to be pass heavy. Just chase those, chase those type of guys, right? Mm. You want to get a guy who's going to have a, you know, a decent target share on a bad team? Or would you rather get somebody, you know, who is going to get a decent target share on a really good team, right? Like, it really comes down to that sometimes. So chase those guys. Uh, even if it doesn't seem super obvious. Right. Uh, Nico Collins, apparently balling out at camp his second year. Uh, obviously, John Mechie was diagnosed with leukemia. Uh, it is a curable form of leukemia, so that's a that's good news. You know, hopefully he'll be back very soon. Uh, but Nico Collins, you know, doing his thing at camp. You know, obviously the, the Texans, you know, didn't really add anybody besides Mechie you know, to compliment Brandon Cooks, but maybe they had some confidence that Nico Collins would do his thing uh, and take a step forward, and it seems like he has, and there has been rapport with Davis Mills. And by the way, Davis Mills apparently lighting it up in camp, lighting it up. Right. Like, I'm talking about, like, like, like seven for seven, you know, going the strength, the, the stretch of the field and scoring a touchdown multiple times in practice. Uh, maybe that just means that the Texans' offense is terrible, but that could also mean that Davis Mills is just continuing where he left off last season, where he was doing his thing. So don't underestimate Davis Mills, number one, as a dynasty asset. And number two, Nico Coll- there, there is room for a second wide receiver to emerge here behind Brandon Cooks. Uh, and Nico Collins is that big dude, contested catch type of guy uh, who is a good compliment to someone like, someone like him. So Nico Collins, put him on your list as well as somebody who could potentially uh, – severely severely uh outproduces adp right and, and the thing about davis mills I, you know i saw him play last year and it wasn't bad you know he was on a bad team but for being on a bad team he looked i think pretty good especially for being a rookie i think if it wouldn't surprise me if he played really well there's absolutely room for another wide receiver on this offense if it's nico collins that would be cool but this is just a, an idea i've thrown around in my head you know will fuller is still out there how about a reunion in Houston? Go get, like, Will Fuller. Put him on the offense. Like, I think he could be good. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm Obviously, you know, it's just speculation. But, like, if anybody's – if we're talking about teams that are monitoring Will Fuller, because I know you're a Will Fuller guy, as soon as he gets on a team, you'll be all over him. Yep. But um, if, if he goes to Houston, there's plenty of target share for him there, you know? And I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be disappointed if he went there. I think he'd move up my board, and he might even be, you know, top, top fifty. Easily, easily, he could be top thirty-six. I mean, it, it's Will Fuller as as long as he's playing, you know, as long as he's not hurt. You know, that's his that's his knock, right? right. Uh, but but yeah, we'll see. There was a report a few days ago about a, a bunch of teams being interested in Will Fuller, but he probably mm-hmm. won't sign until later in the preseason. So don't expect anything right. soon. But he's going to sign somewhere. And when it happens, his ADP is going to rise a ton. 
Um, even right. if I'm drafting today, I'm fine taking – I mean, Will Fuller is being undrafted in a bunch of leagues, right? So just draft him with your last mm-hmm. pick. He has a ton of upside. He has top 24 upside depending on where he lands. So, yeah. So, it, like, for example, if the Packers sign Will Fuller, he is their wide receiver one. That's it. Yeah. Like, that's that's how I feel about it. You know, there's a bunch of teams like that this year. So, yeah. And and if you can get Aaron Rodgers wide receiver one with your last round, last pick, I mean, that, that, that's legit. Um, oh, Alan Lazard. I right, want to talk about two – <laughs> Al Lazard. Hey, listen, Al Lazard. Listen, you saw my. Po- By the time you hear this podcast, Coming you might have out, seen my yeah. post on Al Lazard. Okay, um, I want to talk about two more tight ends, and then we'll wrap it up. Number one, uh, David Njoku, uh, showing some real rapport with Deshaun Watson in camp, especially in the red zone. So keep that in mind. Uh, also, Irv Smith. He, this dude is so unlucky, man. He had thumb surgery. Yeah. He hurt his thumb on Monday. He had thumb surgery on Tuesday. Uh, they do expect him to be ready to start the year. Uh, he should be fine. Uh, I'm hoping that you know there is a dip on his ADP. We always hope that there's always a dip on ADP. Uh, if you were mm-hmm. already high on him this year, I wouldn't necessarily hop off. Like I'm like you know I w- I've always been like lukewarm on Irv Smith. Like he could potentially yeah. pop off this year. Uh, but if you were high on Irv Smith, I wouldn't necessarily hop off the bandwagon because of this. Because I think he should be fine for Week One. Um, you know, doctors on Twitter and stuff like that have looked, have, you know, have seen this injury and they don't have any concerns. So I don't think this is a reason should, to, to get off of him if you were already on him. Right. I'm in agreement. I mean, yeah. I think we've been waiting. We've just been wanting him to stay healthy this whole time. You know, that was the yeah. case last year. I was, I was really hoping that Irv Smith would have that breakout, but you know, he couldn't stay healthy and I'm, I'm not surprised this is happening. You know, I, I I'm not too worried about it either, but it's just like, of course, you know, like, Yet again, we're de- he's dealing with another injury. Like this is a guy that I've been targeting since he's you know been in the league. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not hopping off the bandwagon. I, I'm I'm pretty high on Irv Smith, but really it's his price that has me targeting him more than what we've seen so far. Right, right, and, and you know one thing I just realized is that we didn't talk about the Alvin Kamara situation on the podcast yet. Um, you know that that dropped on that news dropped on Tuesday. Th- I'm sorry, on Monday night that you know alvin Kamara, his trial got pushed until the end of september so that's two months from now um so and and just to kind of keep it keep it quick for me like i don't think and you know I'm, and i'm kind of using other lawyers and legal experts as like basis for this um i don't yeah. it doesn't seem like alvin Kamara is going to be disciplined this season and it's very likely that his suspension, if any, is going to be pushed to next season or, you know, whatever trial that happens is going to be pushed towards the off season. Uh, and it seems to me like Alvin Kamara is going to be playing a full season as long as he stays healthy. And if you drafted him in the third round, you know, during this whole time, because his price did get pushed down because of this potential suspension, you got a serious value. And now I'm treating him as a, a RB1. I'm drafting him in the second round. Uh, I think the place where like he was was like you know, you know RB nine ish something like that, and I'm happy drafting him over guys like you know Javante Williams, um, DeAndre Swift. You know he's in that range basically. Right. Maybe over say, Aaron Jones. Would you take De- Would you take DeAndre Swift over Alvin Kamara? Or would you go Alvin Kamara? Um, I, I love DeAndre Swift this year. You know, and I'm, I'm I am moving him up. You know, in my next rank, in my next set of rankings, um, but I think they're kind of in the same tier. I put them in the same tier. The thing I like right. about Alvin Kamara a little bit more 
is that he might be on a better offense, number one. Number two, he is the goal line guy, right? And I don't think that's we true. know that for DeAndre Swift, right? So that that's the only thing. Um, but so that's that you kind of give Alvin Kamara a little bit of the edge there. Also, Alvin Kamara has, you know, been relatively healthy, like compared to DeAndre Swift so far. Um, I think Swift, you know, has shown that, you know, I don't think he's shown this, but like, you know, he hasn't been the epitome of health in over his first two seasons. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I love Swift this year. I think he has like top three upside. You know, he has the dark horse RB1 yeah. overall this year. Um, it could easily happen. So, you know, but I put them in the similar tier, I would say. All right. I think that should do it for this episode. Uh, this was a little bit longer episode, but we, we wanted to make sure that we hit on, on almost every piece of training camp news for you guys. And we'll continue to give these type of updates as the off season, uh, as the training camp and preseason progress. Um, so yeah, Zach, thanks a lot for this, man. This was a great episode. Uh, appreciate everybody who listened to the podcast. Um, really like honestly like you guys have been great the community has been growing and we couldn't be happier uh to have all you guys in it appreciate all the support uh you know of the podcast of the instagram account of the youtube all the stuff that we're doing we really appreciate you guys um one thing that i ask if you could rate rate and review the podcast on apple Podcasts, that would be amazing spotify that's cool too apple podcast would be even better we really appreciate you guys thank you so much and we will see you next week see ya